Hello, everyone, and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, a podcast designed to create an open dialogue between people of all walks of life, beliefs, and opinions about social and political issues in the U.S. and around the world. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and my goal with this podcast is to find a middle ground on different kinds of issues, both socially and politically, that we all struggle to agree on at times, and to shed light on all sides of the political spectrum, remaining as unbiased as possible. I want to share a disclaimer that I respect all beliefs, political beliefs, although at times I may respectfully disagree, and that my beliefs when it comes to these issues are my own based on my research and experience and are not the end-all be-all. My goal is not necessarily for you to agree with what I say, but to take it as food for thought and seek out the knowledge and information I share for yourself so we can meet in the middle and discuss it more together. So I hope that the intro worked. This is my first time recording an episode, so I'm a little bit nervous. The audio is not good, so I'm sorry in advance. But these first five episodes are not super professional or anything like that. It's just for my final for my government class. So if this podcast continues after that, I'll be super happy. But for right now, I'm just trying to get it done for my government class. But I'm very excited to discuss all of the issues that I'm going to be discussing. Um, I'm going to do five podcasts. They're each going to be pretty short, about 20 minutes long each. And it's just going to be delving into a little bit um, certain issues, political issues that um, are going on right now. The first one um, for this podcast, it isn't necessarily political. It's more, um, I guess, it's more of not even an opinion piece. It's just kind of discussing events that have been going on recently with COVID-19 and, um, you know, my opinion on how I feel that the response was. So we're going to be talking about Trump's response to COVID-19. I put together a synthesis of a timeline. It's a very in-depth timeline of his response to COVID-19. And um, at the end, I wrote some notes. We're going to come back around to, you know, how I feel that his response could have been different and all of that. The sources that I got this from were now this, um, the New York Times, Washington Post, and also I talked a lot with my mom about this and she works for the federal government, so she has a really good insight to you know, how the response to COVID-19 was handled and everything like that. So I'm going to be reading off a timeline. I have five pages, I believe, of um, a timeline. I spent a lot of time you know, watching videos on this, researching, reading articles, cross-referencing to make sure that everything was, you know, correct and verified and not just, you know, willy-nilly information that that could be false. Because we all know that the news does not always tell us the truth, so you always need to cross-reference your sources. That's what my mom taught me. Um, So, in terms of the response to COVID-19, we need to take it back to 2014. So during the Obama-Biden administration, um, they put together the Global Health Security Unit within the White House National Security Council. And they also assembled a 69-page pandemic response playbook. The reason that they did this, and I talked to my mom a little bit about this as well, is that during that time in 2014, they predicted that China might be you know, doing some nefarious, nefarious things with um, uh, viruses and that they might be altering viruses and creating biological weapons with that um and so they wanted to make sure that there was a pandemic response team so as to be able to identify 
um, a virus that could um, likely become a pandemic and to be able to test it and treat it and prevent as many deaths as possible. So that's the whole reason why there was a pandemic response team in the first place. It's the whole reason why there was more funding to the CDC in the first place is so that something like this, the situation that we're in now could have been prevented. So aside from anybody's opinions about you know the Obama Biden administration, including my own opinion, um, I think that that was a very good idea. Just if they had evidence from intelligence officials that this could be happening, it's a good idea to have a response team in place and guidelines in place to be able to um, attack this head on and, and deal with it. Um, so you take it from 2014 to 2018, that's four years later. Trump is in office as of 2016. So two years after he's been in office, he fires the global pandemic response unit. And this is a quote from him. He said, quote, I'm a businessman. I don't like having thousands of people around when you don't need them. So his, you know, opinion on this was that um, if they weren't necessary, then we didn't need them around. That could be viable if we didn't think that there was a pandemic happening, if there wasn't evidence of, you know, anything going on in China, nefarious in terms of trying to create a you know, biological weapon, but he also at the same time reclined, sorry, declined to renew CDC epidemic prevention funding, which caused it to downsize in 39 countries, including China. So this means that the CDC had less of a presence in China where the virus was being developed at the time. And and I want to say that um, I know that I don't know for sure. I mean, we don't, we don't know for sure. What China's telling us is that, um, you know, this virus, coronavirus strain came from, you know, the, the open markets. And that's possible, but there's way more evidence that shows that they were trying to create a biological weapon and that because of the lack of cleanliness and lack of sanitization in their facilities, that that got out of hand and that it caused it to become a global pandemic. So I'm going off of the research that I found off of the um in-depth conversations that I've had with my mom who works for the federal government and knows about these things um, and the sources that I've cross-referenced um, in terms of, you know, talking about is this a, a biological weapon or was it meant to be a biological weapon or was this from the markets? I personally believe that um, this was most likely um, a virus that they were experimenting with and it got out of hand. Now, you can totally have a different opinion on that. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. Um, you can do your own research about that. But based on my research, that's what I believe wholeheartedly because there's no way that this could have gotten so, so out of hand without it being um, more in-depth than, than we all think. So, yeah. This is around the same time also that intelligence officials warned about this disease. Um, and, you know, this was as early as... November 2019, so after that, um, sorry, I'm going to need to edit this, so after that, the administration um, disputed that they knew about the virus as of November 2019, as early as November 2019, you know, so in 2018, he fired the global pandemic response team. Then we found out that intelligence officials had warned them about this, 
And then the administration disputed that they knew about the virus as early as 2019, November 2019. Sorry, I just want to make that clear because I keep going off on tangents. Sorry. But January 3rd, 2020, the White House National Security Council was briefed. It's important to note that in January, before there were any cases, they began to prepare for the pandemic. So that's important. Um, January 8th, 2020, the CDC issued its first warning about um, coronavirus or what is now known as COVID-19. On January 9th, the World Health Organization issued its first warning as well. That same night, Trump hosted a rally despite the World Health Organization issuing their warning. Um, So on January 10th, the World Health Organization issued a comprehensive package of technical guidance for all countries to follow in terms of detecting the virus, testing for the virus, preventing it, social distancing, etc. By January 28, sorry, January 18th, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar tried to have an urgent phone call with the president about COVID-19, but he was abruptly cut off by him after he started quote berating him about the effort to ban flavored vape products and hung up. So at this point, he's not really taking it seriously. Um, He even golfs through the next few days. And this isn't about, um, you know, me disliking. This isn't a Republican Democrat issue. When I speak about um, Trump's response and how I feel about President Donald Trump, I'm specifically talking about him as an individual. So I hope that nobody thinks that I'm trying to dig Republicans or, you know, dig Democrats. If I talk about Democrats, it is not that, you know, a belief system is a belief system and there are different people within those belief systems that have nuances that could make them disliked by me or liked by me, you know? So personally... In terms of his response to this so far, I don't think that President Donald Trump is being responsible at all. Um, Just because, you know, when you have intelligence officials telling you about this, when you have the World Health Organization telling you about this, when you have just fired um, your pandemic response team and and refused to give the CDC more funding to um, research um, the pandemic that could very possibly happen based on evidence that the government is giving you um i think that it's very irresponsible i think that he should have definitely taken it more into consideration and and listened because there are many people that are very reputable telling him that this issue is very real and it just kind of it's just frustrating to watch this timeline and everything that's happening it's like all of the decisions that he makes creates this perfect storm of you know this something that could have been very well prevented or at least ended much, much sooner in this country, especially when we're a very wealthy country. And although we have a mass amount of people, we also have the wealth to take care of those people and to instill the guidelines that will keep us um, from having more cases and be able to prevent deaths as well. So January 20th, 2020, the first confirmed case of coronavirus or COVID-19. And on the same day, South Korea also um, announces their first case. But the difference was South Korea implemented um, their testing and prevention guidelines that day. So now in May, they have fewer than 250 deaths and the U.S. has had over 65,000. 
Um, you know, studies have shown that if, if testing was implemented based on population, deaths would um, be six times more than Korea currently. But right now it's actually 250 times that of Korea. So because of the lack of response, the lack of testing, the lack of prevention, the last, lack of um, social distancing guidelines, it's um, caused our death toll to be significantly, so, like massively higher than it should have been. Um, especially compared to Korea. By January 22nd, he says on the news, he quotes, we're not worried at all and we have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China and we have it under control. It's going to be just fine. January 23rd, the World Health Organization called for public health emergency and Trump did not declare it. So there are other countries at this point um, declaring world health emer- emergency, sorry, public health emergencies, but Trump did not declare it. He chose not to. Um, on the 24th of January, he thanks President Xi of China. I find this very, very odd. I just wanted to note that because, first of all, China, as much as it would be nice to have cordial relations with them, which we do have cordial relations with them for the most part, even though we don't get along with them, um, befriending is a totally different thing and and i think that to thank him when you know their government was the cause for this pandemic is just i have no idea why he would do that i don't know what um i don't know what um got into him what bug got into him to tweet that but that's okay that's just my opinion um after this democratic candidates such as biden and warren urged the president to take the crisis more seriously. After that, he held another rally. January 29th, Peter Navarro, the trade advisor, uh, sent an urgent news warning of the risk of coronavirus, and the task force was finally formed at that point, you know, long after he had known about it, because as we know, the earliest he'd known about it was November of 2019. So that's November, December, January. So it's about two months that he's known, and it's almost February at this point. January 30th, China is on full lockdown, and the World Health Organization declares global health emergency. After that, Trump held yet another rally. No social distancing guidelines, no masks, obviously. February 1st, he goes golfing. That was just noted on the little timeline on one of the things that I cross-referenced. And I just wanted to note that because I feel like it just kind of sheds a little bit more light on the, the lack of responsibility, the lack of accountability. It's like, I just don't understand how somebody who's in such a position of power and who's responsible for taking care of the American people and is so um, adamant about America first still lacks the um, common sense to take these, these warnings seriously. I just really don't understand. Um, February 2nd, there's a partial travel restriction on China. So other countries, 39 other countries had implemented better restrictions uh, from January 1st to past February 2nd. And over 430,000 people, 430,000 people came to the U.S. from China over this period of time. And this is past February, but it's just over this period of time that there's only a partial ban, which is, I just think that's ridiculous because China is where the pandemic is coming from. In my opinion, why are you only putting a partial ban and continuing to allow people who are most likely carrying it to come to the country. At least if you're allowing these people to come into the country, 
you know, make them quarantine themselves, get them tested so that you can see if they're carrying the virus and maybe showing no symptoms. If they are still in the incubation period of the virus, you can still test them and they will test positive. But at that point also, um, we weren't that far in, in developing tests. So after that, Trump claimed the travel restrictions saved thousands of lives, but epidemiologist Jennifer Nuzzo came out and said, we have not seen ev- any evidence of this. And she said that um, there was no evidence that the travel ban prevented the transmission of the disease at all. Um, so really the travel restriction didn't really do much in the grand scheme of things. And that's according to an epidemiologist as well as other um, health officials who are val- um, other health officials who are reputable. So on February 6th, World Health Organization began distributing a quarter million tests around the world. The US, specifically Donald Trump, declined the tests, saying that we could produce our own, and the CDC only managed to produce 90 tests, which all turned out to be faulty. Out of all those 90 tests, they all turned out to be faulty, and I just, it's over and over, you see this pattern of You know, we've got it handled, we've got it taken care of. He uses the word terrific a lot, spectacular a lot, you know, as if we're not about to be thrown into a whirlwind of a global pandemic. I mean, I know that he couldn't have predicted that all on his own, but with all of the information that he had, for him to still decline tests is just, I feel like, blatantly irresponsible, in my opinion. February 10th. He proposes, sorry, Donald Trump proposes a bill that would cut CDC funding by 16%. He says, quote, looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little better, sorry, a little warmer, it miraculously goes away, end quote. February 19th and 20th, he held more rallies after that. February 23rd, Peter Navarro speaks again about the danger of a full-blown pandemic, and only then does Donald Trump ask for more funding from Congress. The same day, he tweeted that coronavirus was under control in the U.S. On the 26th, he quoted, he said this on live television, you treat this like a flu because of all we've done, the risk to the American people remains very low. We think that in almost all cases, the better they're getting, we have a total of 15, as in 15 cases, end quote. There were actually 60 cases at this time. So that's three times more cases than he actually reported. He said that there were 15. The fact that there's 60 cases in the U.S. and he's telling us that it's all under control. We have 15 cases. I know it seems like maybe a small discrepancy, but in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about a global pandemic, the difference between quarantining and testing and and preventing 15 people from spreading a virus versus 60, that is a much different uh, game because that's three times more than were reported. February 27th, he quoted, it's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle, it's going to disappear, end quote. February 28th, he claimed, and he was um, speaking, like, this was televised, so he claimed that Democrats were politicizing the virus in, quote, their latest hoax, which I just, I think this is highly irresponsible as well, because 
Um, <clears throat> I know that there were a lot of Democrats speaking on the issue. When I researched it, um, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren were two prominent Democrats that spoke about the issue. Joe Biden simply, you know, said that he was not reacting um, seriously enough to the pandemic. And then Elizabeth Warren urged him also to take it more seriously and implemented her own little guidelines. You know, she put them on her, her website for people to follow and they were just social distancing guidelines, etc. So I, I don't feel like it's politicizing it because although, you know, you could say that they were politicizing it by um, taking it more seriously, um, it's definitely not a hoax. And for him to say that, um, that, you know, the virus is their latest hoax, I just think that it's blurring the lines between, um, you know, actually something real and something that he's just trying to use as a distraction, in my opinion, like I've said before. On March 4th, he did an interview with Fox News um, and quoted, this, is, this, this has been televised. Uh, he said, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of people that get better just by, you know, sitting around and even going to work. Some of them going to work, go to work, but they get better, end quote. So again, encouraging people to go to work during the pandemic, which is, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that he encouraged people go, to go to work to the pandemic. That's not correct. I would say that he alluded to the fact that people are going to work and it's a normal thing and don't be alarmed. You can still go to work. That's how I feel about it based on his verbiage. Other people could take it differently, but I think based on his verbiage, that's what he's suggesting. On March 6th, he went to the CDC wearing a campaign hat and said, quote, anybody right now and yesterday, anybody that needs a test gets a test. They're there. Unfortunately, that wasn't true. Because in May, we still don't have the testing that we need. Um, and the tests were not provided to people. They weren't widely available to people. So that just simply was not true. In May, oh, sorry, through March, most states um, have declared a state of emergency. So we're keeping a timeline. By March, you know, although the president has not declared a state of emergency, at this point, a lot of states have. Um, so March 9th, um, he again compares COVID-19 to the flu. March 10th, he quotes, it will go away, just stay calm. It will go away, end quote. March 11th, World Health Organization declares COVID a global pandemic. March 13th, um, Donald Trump finally declares a state of emergency, tells hospitals in terms of, you know, getting respirators, equipment, etc., to, quote, try to get it yourselves, end quote. March 17th, he finally admits we're in a pandemic. He quotes on live television, I've always known this is a real, this is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. All you have to do is look at other countries, end quote. This was only days after he compared it to the flu for the second time. I think, um, I, I just wanted to go off on a little tangent for a second and speak about this because... This shows me one of two things. This tells me one of two things. And, and this is my opinion. Take it for what it is. But I think that if he claims that he knew that this was a pandemic, that it just shows his blatant irresponsibility because of the fact that he knew about it as early as November 2019 and should have been preparing for it due to all of the information that he had been given beforehand. And he just was not taking it seriously. He was golfing frequently up until this point. 
So it either shows me that he knew that this was a pandemic and he chose to not respond accordingly to it or um, that he's just lying and that he's trying to cover himself. It could be one of two things. I mean, it could be more than two things. I'm just saying I believe that it could be one of two, those two things. Either way, that's not acceptable for someone who is a, a leader of our country. That's, that's just not acceptable. You can't, you can't, you shouldn't lie to the American people, which that is the thing that politicians do. That's, it's very common, but I just still think that is highly irresponsible. Either way, if he's lying about it to cover himself, that's not, that's not okay. But also if he's, um, you know, telling the truth, that just shows that he was not responding accordingly to, to all of the warnings that, that were being given. So March 26th, America had more cases than every other country. Sorry, I meant the United States when I say America. As of May, the U.S. has over 1.1 million cases and over 65,000 deaths. Analysis of data from the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation suggests that 90% of U.S. deaths could have been prevented if he had acted only two weeks earlier. And he had already been warned about this for months. So if he had acted only two weeks prior, we could have prevented um, about 90% of those deaths. And that means social distancing guidelines, implementing those social distancing guidelines, declaring a state of emergency sooner so that people are forced to um, quarantine themselves and social distance. That's basically what that means. Um, the end quote um, that you know I saw from him speaking on television and such was, quote, with all of that, it's been an incredible period of time. We've done a fantastic job, end quote. Um, there was another TV interview, which a lot of people have heard about, where he said that he rates his uh, response to COVID-19 as a 10, which I just, I just can't understand that. This is a very difficult topic to delve into because there are a lot of people that strongly support Donald Trump. And I want it to be clear that this isn't a issue of um, Donald Trump, the rest of how he governs. I'm specifically just talking about his response to COVID-19 and his tendency through this timeline um, that I've gathered um, to continuously lie or put it off or just not take it seriously. I don't know if, you know, it's a lying issue or if it's a not taking it seriously issue. I don't know if he didn't think that it would get as big as it did, which I don't know how he can believe that because it's it, there's just so much evidence that shows that he knew about this prior. I just don't understand how he couldn't have known about it so it just makes me frustrated to know that the person who's running my country that i live in our country um has the power to just wreak havoc and just not respond to these issues accordingly it just makes me frustrated regardless of your opinion about donald trump whether you like him hate him whatever this specific issue I just, he acted irresponsibly and he continuously lied about the severity of the issue, about how many cases we had, and he was not held accountable. I think the most important thing about being a part of any government where the people have a voice is that we need to hold our leaders accountable. And this goes for everyone, not just for Democrats, Republicans. This isn't a political ideology issue. This is just... Um, uh, 
an issue of our rights, what we fought for, what our founding fathers fought for, and that was for us to be free. And I think that a part of our freedom is being able to hold our leaders accountable. I think for our country to be better, we need to hold them accountable in times like these, especially during times of you know a global pandemic um, when we need them the most and when we need them to be acting with valor and honesty. And I think that's very important. So that's all I have to say for today. Thank you for listening to me. And I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all take this as food for thought. Please go do your own research and let me know what you think. You can find my Instagram at Gray, G-R-A-Y, not G-R-E-Y. Um, and my Snapchat is Gray 9948 So yeah, have a great day.